Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And just a reminder, my home base is wedontdie.com, where you can always find past episodes. I've got my second podcast as well there that's Shades of the Afterlife. Instead of doing interviews, mainly I report in on news on the afterlife. And also we offer classes. We have our free Sunday gathering, inspirational service with medium demonstration included, and so much more. That's at wedontdie.com. Our guest today is Diane Calderon, a mom, a survivor, and now she's a thriver being of service in so many ways. She's a Reiki master. She's been trained by and is now client services manager for the wonderful medium author and teacher, Suzanne Wilson. Diane is the author of the book, Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day, A Mother's Story of Loss, Love, and Connecting with the Afterlife. Her words have been featured in Psychic News Magazine, and she is a featured presenter in the Amazon Prime documentary, Life to Afterlife, I Want to Talk to the Dead. You can find out more about her and all of her resources and, of course, her book at her website, which is diannecalderon.com. So here to tell us her story, Diane, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra. I really appreciate this opportunity to meet with you and to discuss my book and the direction my life has been going in since the loss of my son. As uh, you know, we met years ago at, at conferences. I believe it was AREI in the Phoenix area. And you are such a dynamic and inspirational person. I truly Loved meeting you. You always stood out in my mind. So I appreciate the opportunity to sit here and talk with you and and see where this discussion leads us. Thank you oh, very much. You are most welcome. You know, you're like me. You take what you learn and your hardships and you just give and you share to try to wear, make the world a better place for others. Diane, why don't you start off by telling us just a little bit about you? Where do you live? Maybe in the past, what you did for work and tell us about your family and then maybe move into your husband and your son and share them with us as well. Well, okay. That sounds interesting. Um, my background, I right now I'm living in Arizona. It's the Chino Valley area, which is north of Prescott, Arizona. So a little bit out of the Phoenix area, a uh, nice place to live. Uh, been here about 30 years ago. We built this home and uh, settled in and uh, have been enjoying life up here for quite some time. Uh, prior to moving up here, I worked in a variety of jobs. I started back in the early 70s uh, doing community organizing in low-income neighborhoods, uh, worked for job development programs, um, got my bachelor's bachelor's degree, and then my master's degree at Arizona State University in sociology. I became a research uh, statistician for the state of Arizona. At one point, I was offered an excellent opportunity to be the deputy director of the governor's office of affirmative action. I worked for the very first female governor of Arizona for a number of years and truly enjoyed that career choice. 
Um, when my husband retired, we moved to Northern Arizona. I eventually got on with the Postal Service and worked there for quite a while, retired from the Postal Service. So I've got several years of working in various levels of government and doing work as a bureaucrat, but also working with clients and, and people and helping them along. Um, my life with my husband and my family here was basically quiet. Uh, we built one home and we split our property. We built two more homes. The third home, my son by then was in the community college program for construction management. My son is Matthew. And he designed that third home and he built it. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful home. Uh, it was uh, an investment. We sold the home to kind of keep our retirement going. Um, eventually, we bought other homes in the Phoenix area that Matthew would move to and fix up. And that's where he was living in 2014 when he met uh, with a tragic accident that took him out of our life but into another world. Uh, during that period of time, my husband, who had uh, was just a remarkably intelligent man, uh, had started to suffer from Lewy body dementia. I became the full-time caregiver for my husband as he was going through that process, and it took a few years for him to go from mild to severe to also joining Matthew on the other side of life. So, that's sort of my life in a nutshell. Um, I have a book, The, the uh, Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day, that discusses a little bit about what happened after I lost my son and how it propelled me to do what I'm doing now as client services manager for Suzanne Wilson and also being able to have the opportunity to take classes and become a Reiki master and a certified medium under Suzanne's tutorship. Congratulations to all that new things going on. But if we can go back, first of all, I think I speak on behalf of everyone here, sending you just so much love. You are able to share your story, but behind all of that, it, grief, uncertainty, pain, that whole world that we know oh so too well. And I think most of the people that come to this show are experiencing that um, and really any help to get through grief and also the, that real hope that the afterlife is real. So first of all, just all on behalf of all of us, just sending you so much love. And it really is, I feel the most painful moments in our life when we're able to look back and what we learned and things that we've discovered and be able to share that with other people that um, is just a real blessing. And that's who you are for the world. And you are really doing a lot. So and being a caregiver too for your husband. And I can't even imagine that road. So you give us strength and you give us inspiration, Diane, you really do. Thank you. You're welcome. Could you tell us if it's not too uncomfortable, what happened with Matthew and, and then perhaps how you dealt with the grief and then what happened that you know that he's around? Wow. Oh, uh, okay. Stop me if I keep talking, but keep talking. Subject, I don't mind. I'm, I'm okay. It's a subject I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with. Uh, um, you know, it's, I'll just start with 10 years ago this week. Uh, Matthew was living in Phoenix. He was uh, renovating a home 
that we had bought with the intent of fixing it. We would sell it. We'd buy another one. That was the process we liked to to work with. Uh, He'd been working pretty hard at that home. But here at my home, two hours away, my husband was declining. His name is Sal. Sal's dementia was becoming a big concern. I was having a lot of difficulties taking care of him. I live in a rural area. I don't have a lot of uh, close friends or neighbors or relatives. So to get out and run errands, even running to the grocery store, I had to do those without bringing Sal along with me because if I brought him to the store, he could sometimes wander off or get upset. He didn't know where he was. I relied on Matt to come up when he had days off and help me out. So 10 years ago this week, Matthew was here visiting. He was organizing a project and getting ready to file paperwork to be uh, licensed as a contractor. He had to take some tests and he had to get some paperwork together and get it filed. So he was running around the area, downtown Prescott, meeting with friends, collecting information so that when he went back a few days later, he would get that paperwork going and to take the steps to become a contractor. And while he was here, I could run to the store and take care of a couple of other errands. I had a brother that was having some health issues. Uh, I was taking him to the doctor. We found out that my brother had cancer and I arranged for him to have surgery uh, later in January, 10 years ago. So Matthew was a big help. Uh, Matthew was here. Oh, geez. Today's January 22nd. He went home on the 25th, I believe, back to Phoenix, where he headed that way. That was the last time I saw him. We had a very nice discussion before he left and talked about some spiritual matters and religion and just some topics that we hadn't really discussed before. I thought that was interesting. Matthew takes off. Um, uh, Two days later on a Monday, he called me and he was telling me how he had such a wonderful time over the weekend. He had visited a friend. He drove down to Phoenix to do a hike and the drive down to Phoenix was beautiful. And that day he was uh, feeling pretty good about things. He said he would be up in a couple of days to help me because I was going to take my brother to Phoenix for his surgery. Um, On Tuesday morning, uh, January 28th, Matthew called me in the morning. I'd had a particularly hard night because Sal was very restless. I didn't get much sleep. He was very, very difficult to deal with that morning. But Matthew had called and told me he was applying for a job and that he planned to be up the next day. He was going to go to a seminar that night regarding building and he would see me the following day so that maybe I could go out in time to have lunch with somebody. So that sounded very nice. Um, That night, I'm sitting at home with Sal. We're watching something on television and I'm getting kind of bored and I began to see some sparkling lights. I thought that's very odd. These sparkling lights are just in front of my face and I don't know why they're sparkling, but here they are. They disappeared. I looked over at Sal. They reappeared in front of Sal. They were sparkling in front of him. And then they disappeared. I noticed Sal did not see the lights. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm losing it too. That's not going to be good. The sparkling lights appeared again in front of me, just inches away from my face. I looked at them and wondered what in the world is going on. 
They drifted over to my left and then they disappeared. They led me to a book that was sitting on the coffee table next to me. And I picked up the book and looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, this is a book I need to show Matthew when he shows up tomorrow, because we had a conversation about children being born. And before they come, I had this idea that they choose their parents. And I told Matt, I don't know where I got that idea from, but I'm pretty sure you chose me as your mom. So you're kind of stuck with me, dude. We laughed, but it's in this book. I'm looking at it like, oh, I haven't read this in years. This is where I got that idea from. I completely forgot about these sparkling lights. Now I'm focused on this book. I'm reading it. I opened it right to the page that told me Edgar Casey had this feeling that we have some choice in who our parents are. So now I'm excited. Oh, great. Matthew will be here tomorrow. I'll show him. Next day, I get up in the morning. I head down to get the newspaper as I normally would do. And I have to drive because the mailbox is down by the highway. And some bluebirds flew along the car. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I uh, don't recall seeing bluebirds in the area ever before. Where did they come from? Thinking of bluebirds, I began to have my mind wander off into a zone where I'm hearing songs like when Matthew was little singing, you know, zippity doo Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. And that was kind of cute. Then I felt the song under the rainbow or, the or over the rainbow where the bluebirds fly. That was on my mind as I came home. I return. I get Sal set up. I'm giving him his breakfast. He He's pretty slow at it, but we're sitting at the table going, I'm going through the paper. He's eating. The phone rang and it was a detective from Phoenix to tell me that my son, Matthew, had died the night before. My whole world changed immediately. Long story short, Matthew had been out that evening, had headed home picked up his dog and was walking the dog over to the dog park, which was just not even a block away from the house, residential neighborhood. Matthew's crossing a street and he gets hit by a car, hit and run. He dies immediately. Um, the information from the detective broke my heart. I did get a little bit of details like the dog was okay and was at Matthew's house and it took the police overnight to find my phone number. They got it from a neighbor. So it broke my heart and I, you know, I fell apart and I went over to tell Sal and he was so lost that when I told him our son died, that Matthew was killed in a tragic accident last night, Sal patted my head and said, oh, that's sad. I'm sorry. And that was that. So that's how Matthew died. And that was the start of my loss of Matthew and really a loss of Sal because I was losing Sal a little bit day after day after day. What carried me, though, is that evening. Now we're talking Wednesday evening, the day after Matthew had been hit. I'm sitting at the house here. I had Sal settled down. He was in bed. I was waiting for family to show up. I had two sisters who dropped everything and jumped on planes to fly out here to help me in the coming days. And as I was sitting at the table, I thought, oh my gosh, Matt, I can't believe this is happening. You were just here the other day. We just had this discussion. Do you remember, Matt? Do you remember? We were talking about how 
um, if something should happen to one of us, and I said, you know, I'll probably die before you, but just saying here, if one of us should die, the other one has to promise to come back and give a sign. You have to give a sign. Matthew, where's my sign? And then it dawned on me, Sandra, I had that sign. That night, the night before, when I saw those lights, that was my sign. I had asked the, the detective, what time did this accident happen? He said, 7 p.m. That was the time I saw those lights. I knew then and there that that was a sign from Matthew, that he hadn't really died. He was just no longer in that body, that Matthew was over there on the other side and had sent me that sign at the moment he passed. I didn't connect the dots or the lights at the moment it happened, but 24 hours later, boom, it's hitting me. That was Matthew. That realization that my son reached out from across the veil to tell me he was fine, that everything's going to be okay, changed my whole life. It helped me get through those next two weeks of, you know, the challenge of seeing what we're supposed to do for a funeral. I hadn't had to deal with a funeral in a long, long, long time. Um, what are we going to do? Well, well, we'll do a celebration of life because that's what Matthew's all about. It helped me tremendously through those first two weeks. And then moving forward, Matthew coming in with that sign that he was okay, led me on a journey to learn what the afterlife's about and to attend workshops and to meet people and to interact with spirit on my own terms. So it's been an amazing journey, all thanks to Matt. That's it in a nutshell, I guess. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Those lights, to me, it's not a sign from Matt. That was Matt saying, Mom, I'm right here. Um, heartbreaking story, but there's hope in it. Because, you know, we all know we live life like we have all the time in the world, but we don't. You know, we all have an impending death, some just sooner than later. And, and I'm just so sorry you went through all of that. It's I'm not a parent and it has to be absolutely a parent's worst nightmare. Um, I know you're very fond of our mutual friends at HelpingParentsHeal.org. Did you meet up with them around that time or after? I just want to give them a shout out because now there's well, I don't know if it's over 16,000 parents connected. And to me, I, I think it's the largest um, parents organization like this. And they also believe in the afterlife. So to me, that's a very special thing. They, they are an incredible group. And I know they have grown exponentially. And it's sad that there are so many parents that are in need of the organization but at least the organization exists to help parents. Um, I was led to the Helping Parents Heal fairly quickly in my journey. When Matthew had died um, and I submitted uh, information for an obituary, one of the newspapers called me and we had a little discussion. They like to verify some of the information. And the lady that was helping me suggested I read a couple of books and one of them was a book by Mark Ireland. And I had no clue who Mark Ireland was, but I thought, yeah, why not? I have a lot of time on my hands. I can get the books, you know, ordered and picked up at the mailbox. 
let me read this book. I read the book by Mark Ireland, and what I discovered is Mark uh, was involved with this group, this Helping Parents Heal group. He had lost his son in an unexpected tragedy, uh, probably two, three years before my son had died. Mark was from the Scottsdale, Phoenix area where we, you know, Matthew had grown up where we had lived for a number of years and I felt a connection with him. So as I read through his book and learned a little bit about the Helping Parents Heal, I looked them up online and decided that um, they would be a good organization for me to turn to when I would have some time to do so. Uh, This is in 2014, 2015. I didn't have a lot of time. I had to take care of Sal. So I didn't go to any meetings. Uh, At the time they were meeting in Phoenix, I believe at at, uh, one location in particular. I couldn't get away until about August of 2015, I believe, is when I finally had somebody who could come and watch Sal for a day. And I drove down to Phoenix to attend a Helping Parents Heal meeting. And it was a remarkable meeting. It was just so healing to sit with a group of fellow travelers on this journey of grief and loss, and yet understanding that our kids are still there, that they haven't passed into some netherworld where where we'll never see them or hear from them again. So I found some comfort in the group and I met a handful of people that I felt, you know, a kinship with. I was able to attend a couple of more Helping Parents Heal meetings prior to Sal's death. And then after he passed away in January 2016, I attended a handful more and I made friends with uh, several of the members. And since I had first started going, the organization just took off. They spread across the country. I've I've met people. I've, I've attended the conferences. I've, I've met people from all over. And they're all just beautiful souls. And uh, I love how they love and support each other and uh, hold our hands through this journey. Beautiful organization, HelpingParentsHeal.org. Yes. Also, you have a shout out to Open to Hope. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, Open to Hope is a a group I have not really been involved with, but I learned about them through a mutual friend. And uh, I find that they are also a beautiful group to help us through our grieving process. So I just threw a shout out to them in my book so that people who uh, maybe don't feel a kinship with Helping Parents Heal would find some help through from that organization, Open to Hope. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Now, for those people who are listening and not watching us on YouTube, you're not going to see this, but I'm holding up Diane's beautiful book. Beautiful, beautiful book, light blue. And is that a bluebird feather on it? Yes, yes, a bluebird feather. Living and loving life all day, every day. Is there something with the bluebird? Because, yeah. (laughs) Tell us about the bluebird. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the bluebird is just became a remarkable sign that reminds me of my son. Like I had mentioned earlier, the day that I had found out that he had died. Now, mind you, he had died the night before, but that morning I did not know it yet. And I'm driving down the road to get the paper and those bluebirds showed up along my path was amazing to me. I mean, 
really? Like, where did these bluebirds come? They they're not native to my area, or at least I had never noticed them before. And here they are along my path. So I thought that's pretty cool. And they made me think of my son and the little song, the zippity doodah song, and then the, the over the rainbow song. So I kind of connected the bluebirds to that magical morning, which then turned into a tragic day when I got the news about my son's death. Yet the bluebirds felt like there was a connection. I looked into what does a spirit animal mean? What does a bluebird mean? And a lot of people think that the birds bring us signs from our, our people on the other side. So I decided the bluebird was the sign that Matthew would be sending me. Um, he sent me a um, even more fantastic bluebird sign at Christmas. We're looking at my first Christmas after losing Matthew. It had been a hard year. Sal had gotten worse. I had made some progress, I think, on my own development and, you know, knowing that Matthew is okay. But it was still a hard morning when I got up that day. And I'm sitting on the edge of my bed, feeling pretty down. And I'm looking out the window. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is my first Christmas without you, Matt. This is just so, so, so hard. I wish, I wish you were here. I wish there was something that... I could connect with you on this day. And I was drawn to some noise and some movement right outside my window. There's a bush and it has these little red berries. And I noticed that on the bush, there were a bunch of bluebirds. Bluebirds were out there eating these red berries. And my astonishment was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Oh, this is wonderful, Matt. Thank you, thank you. Another movement occurred a little bit to the left of my view, and there was a blue jay, a blue jay sitting on a branch of a tree, not 10 feet from my window. Blue jay is looking away, and I see the blue jay, and I said, oh, Matt, that's even better. Thank you. Thank you for that sign. And no sooner finished thinking that than the blue jay turned and looked at me as if to say, yeah, Ma, I gotcha. So the bluebird, the blue jay just became a sign for me from Matthew. When I was putting together this book and writing it, I knew that the bluebird had to be significant in my presentation. When I was uh, working with Joe Higgins, who's also a medium, he was helping me put the book together. Uh, he's the one who did a lot of searching and he found that particular graphic image for the cover. And he also added a feather image inside the book to begin each chapter. So the bluebird, the blue feathers, that's important. That's that's Matthew's sign. Incredible. And we've had Joe Higgins on the show and I met him at one of my events in Boston. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. Have there been other types of signs? Many, 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 many signs. Matthew is relentless. Um, I'll continue a little bit with the bluebird signs. Uh, I have a person that helped me, really nudged me to do this book. And she lives over in Sedona. And uh, she would call me every now and then and, you know, say, well, send me your latest draft. And she would give me some suggestions. And one day when I... Um, felt I had my final draft of the book. I sent it to her for a review. I stepped outside 
and there were bluebirds out in front. They had started coming on a regular basis in the winter. So I thought that was cool. Oh, my book is done. And there's the bluebirds. That's a sign from Matt. I did good. A few days later, I hear from the gal who was editing the book. And she said to me, well, your book's looking really great. I think you can move forward now on getting it published. And by the way, I no sooner finished it than I looked out the window and there were bluebirds in the juniper tree outside. I've never seen that before. So these bluebirds have become a nice theme. They pop up every now and then with myself and with friends. You think about it and there's a bluebird. Oh my goodness, it's great. In fact, just before we started today, I went online to Facebook and was just scrolling through and some dear friends of mine had pictures of bluebirds posted. So I thought that was just a shout out from Matt saying, hey, mom, you're doing this interview today. This is great. Um, another big sign is the rainbow. When Matthew called me a couple of days before you know this tragedy and he was telling me about his weekend he mentioned having this beautiful drive down to phoenix he had left early in the morning and he was ecstatic about how wonderful the nature was the sun was beginning to rise it was misty it was a bit foggy and as the sunrise came up and the rays were hitting and playing along the fog he was seeing little rainbows so that was pretty fantastic he just thought that was the greatest thing uh following his passing I was going through photos. Uh, I have a stepdaughter who lives in Texas and she was very close to Matthew. She came to visit and she and I were putting together a photo collage for Matthew. And one of the photos was of Matthew holding a rainbow. A few years prior to his passing, we were sitting outside, a rainstorm had come by and there was a big, beautiful rainbow. And Matthew was standing there talking to me and I noticed the rainbow was behind him and I had this brilliant idea like hey Matt go get my camera he ran in and got it came back I said okay I'm going to take a picture of you now I want you to hold your hands up and I'm going to try to position it so it looks like you're holding up that rainbow and I took these pictures well that became the photo that Patricia and I decided would be the main theme for his presentation for his celebration we posted that, uh, printed it on the little booklets that we gave everybody. A friend of his got a hold of the photo and made a great big print for me and framed it and brought it to the celebration. So Matthew holding this photo became a big theme, Matthew and the Rainbows. It's on the back cover of the book uh, just because Matthew wanted to be included on the cover. Joe Higgins, when he was putting it together, heard from Matthew that, hey, I want to get acknowledged. And he wanted that rainbow picture on the back cover. So that's why that's there. I'm going um, to just show the back cover. And again, you folks that are listening, you can't see this, but if you go to YouTube and you just type in, we don't die radio, Diane Calderon, and you're going to see it. There you go. There you go. There you go. And Ever since then, Patricia gets excited when she sees a rainbow, wherever she is, she'll call me and say, oh, Matthew's around. I saw a rainbow. I have had instances where I have done sessions with people online and maybe we talk a little bit about Matthew. I'll go outside and lo and behold, there might be a rainbow. And mind you, I don't get a lot of moisture up here. This is kind of desert area. 
but somehow he'll find a way to give a rainbow. He, we had a development circle uh, on a weekend workshop with uh, Suzanne Wilson one time, small group, and Matthew found a way to show rainbows to that group. He had rainbow bomb pops and and rainbow song popping on while Suzanne was doing a meditation. I mean, it was just crazy how many times he he came in with rainbows, not an actual one outside, but other ways of bringing a rainbow in. So that's another big theme for him is, is the rainbows. So I think those are probably the two biggest ones. A uh, third sign that I have gotten from him, which is important to me, uh, and I don't know if I discussed it much in the book, so I'll, I'll throw it out here if I didn't. When he had died, he had a, a pickup truck and I had to go down and, and bring it to my house. When I got into the truck, there was a lot of trash in it. So it's like, oh, gosh, Matt, that figure. So I bring it home. It sits out there for a few days. I go through the truck to see what's in it. And I found that he had bought himself a journal. And in this journal, he had written on two pages. He wrote something on the very opening page where he is saying, oh, I'm just resigned to, I'll probably never have kids, but that's okay. I'm going to enjoy my life anyway. And then on the back page, he had the name of a song and the group that sings it. I was not familiar with this group. I was not familiar with the song, and I thought it was interesting that he wrote that one thing on the back page of the journal. I figured it must mean something to him. So I get in the house, I pull up the group, I pull up the song, and it was a group called Mumford and Sons, and the song was, I Will Wait, I Will Wait for You. That became Matthew's song. I will wait for you. The lyrics to that song were telling me that, hey, Matthew wanted us to know that he's over there on the other side, but that's okay. He's going to be waiting for us. So as each of us, his friends, his family, those he felt so connected to on this life, as they join him over there, he's going to be waiting for everybody. I'll tell you what, that song will come on at the most interesting times. I go to lunch with a dear friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. We're sitting in the restaurant. She mentions, wow, I sure miss Matt. That song starts playing on the restaurant speakers. I go to a workshop that Suzanne Wilson did. We're sitting in the lobby. People are coming in. We're greeting them. Uh, someone came up to me and said, Oh, I'm so sorry that you had lost your son. And that song comes on. I will wait for you on the speakers in the lobby. I'll get in the car. I'll be driving somewhere. I'll think about Matt. Darn it, that song comes on. So that's another sign that I get from him. It's more of a personal one for me because I think those words, those lyrics, that song was meant for me to connect with him. It's a beautiful song. Thank you for sharing that. Do you talk to him in your mind? Do you feel like you can hear his voice? Often. <laughs> Often. I, I will hear his voice. I I feel his presence. I sometimes actually hear a little bit coming from him. I, I've had a couple of times recently where someone would say to me, so what do you think Matthew would say about this? Or what do you think Matthew's thinking about now? Can you talk to him? And I'll be like, uh, let me try. And then something comes in and I just repeat what he says. And it feels kind of weird, but it feels like he is speaking through me. It's like, I'm hearing these words here. They come out of my mouth. Okay. I think that was Matthew. 
it's hard to put a finger on it and say definitely. I don't have, you know, uh, objective evidence. It's all subjective. But I do think he has the ability to sometimes speak through me. Um, I've had him talk with my own voice, but just brief words. Um, like I'm laying down, I'm starting to go to sleep. I think about him and I hear my voice say, mom, uh, that shakes me up. It's like, whoa, that, that was Matt. That's not me. I'm not saying mom. That was Matt using my voice to say mom. So I think that's pretty interesting. Um, Matthew's around. I feel him. I feel Sal. I feel both of them at different times. I've learned to tell the difference between the two of them. And uh, I think Matthew is the one who's around most of the time. He's been nudging me. He's pushing me to get this book and to get it out there to people. He wants them to know the story that, you know, love doesn't die. We don't die. We're still here. Absolutely. Talk to us a little bit about Sal, because it was so fresh with the passing of Matthew and caring for Sal. No, that wasn't easy. You love him. And that's just a terrible disease that takes people. But when he passed, did you get signs from him? I know you say that you can feel him around sometimes and Matthew's the strong one, but were you comforted, comforted that Sal is healthy and well and young and all those good things that we can expect when we pass. All those good things. Yeah. Let me, let me give a little uh, backup to before Sal passed um, because it just popped into my mind as you mentioned this before Sal had passed. I mean, his decline was tragic. He reached a point where he really couldn't even walk anymore. I had to have somebody live with me to help move him about and, you know, take care of him because I couldn't lift him anymore. Uh, But during this period of time, as he was declining, he would relay to me little snippets of seeing Matthew. Uh, He saw Matthew with his own mother one time. Now, I had never met Sal's mom. She had died long, long time ago before I'd met Sal. But one day Sal says to me, oh, Matthew was here with my mom. I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. They were both here together. They seem pretty happy. It's like, oh, that's cool. Another time Sal says to me, oh, Matthew came and told me that he's going to be here when I die, that he's going to help me, that he's learning how to help people when they die. And he's going to help me when it's my time. Wow, that that floored me right there. It's like. Of course, Matthew would be there to help him. But for Sal to be clear enough for a few moments to tell me that was just remarkable. So there were bits and pieces of Sal before he passed where he was connecting with folks on the other side, his family, his brother, uh, sometimes a friend of his. Oftentimes, Matthew was there. When Sal passed, the night he passed, or I'm sorry, not the night, the night before he passed, there there was an owl outside the window hooting before Sal passed. It just hooted and hooted and hooted. And his kid, Patricia, was here, his his daughter. And she's like, what is that? Why is that happening? And I said, well, that's, you know, look it up. But basically, your dad's partially Native American, and they believe that the owl comes to take the soul home. So I think the owl is here for your dad. Sure enough, the next day, about 12 hours later, Sal passes away. So when he passed, he wasn't doing well. He had declined 
and very quickly. And as he was passing, he came to long enough to say goodbye to me. He looked me in my eyes and said, I love you and took his last breath and he was gone. Shortly after he passed, I stepped out and looked out. I stepped into another room. I looked out the window and a big hawk flew by. I knew the hawk was South Seoul flying away. Um, following his death and for a long time after that, Sal would connect with me through the hawk. I would often go outside. There would be the hawk sitting out in the front yard. When we did a, a service, it was basically a party for Sal. We planted a tree out in the yard here. We had a lot of friends and relatives come. There were hawks circling above us as we were doing the tree ceremony. So we knew that that was Sal saying hello. When friends of Matthew's came to build a garage for me, the hawks were here flying over them. And my son's friends said, oh, look, there's Sal and Matt watching us. That is so cool. Sal, on a more personal level, I feel him a lot. He often is there in the mornings. He, he'll touch my hair in such a way that I know he's saying, hello, good morning. He, he sends songs also. I have an Alexa thing, and every now and then I'll tell Alexa, you know, to turn on, play some songs. And there'll be a song that will be one of our favorites. It'll be that first song. And I'm thinking, okay, Sal, that's that's cool. I love how you do that. There'll be times when his name just pops up. His full name is Salvador. Not everybody has a Salvador, but I'll be watching television, some weird program, and I'll change a channel. And I'll think, gosh, Sal, I sure miss you. I wish you were here watching this with me. And there'll be a character that pops up, says, hi, my name is Sal. It's like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's neat how you drew my attention to that channel at that moment after I thought of you, Sal. Um, basically, though, Sal, if I... When I'm meditating and I have a concern or a question, I can ask Sal for some insight and I'll get an impression, I'll get a feeling and I'll even get words. I'll have him tell me what to do or how to handle the situation. So I think that's pretty remarkable that he's able to do that from from his perspective on the other side. Our loved ones are so close. They're not some far off distant place. They are right here. I know you have developed yourself as a medium and in the classes that you've done and working with other mediums, have your gentlemen come through? Oh, <laughs> oh yes, they have quite a bit. Uh, from the very beginning, uh, to become a medium, it, it it's a, it's a series of training and tuning in and meditating and learning how to connect with spirit. And a lot of it involves working with other students. You do a lot of development circles, you do a lot of practices with each other, and then you practice with people who have volunteered. And I had found, and I have found that whenever I am working with other students who are learning mediumship, that I'm a good sitter for them because my guys will always show up, always. They love playing around with a practicing medium. I have numerous notes which fill up a whole box of a lot of the practices I've had where another student is say, okay, I think I've got someone here and they will describe something and I'll be sitting there going, 
good job, Sal. And I'd let them know at a certain point, yeah, I believe that's my husband. And then they carry on with a lot of information. Same with Matt. So both of them have been extraordinary in helping my development and also helping the development of others who are doing the workshops, doing the training and um, learning how to connect with spirit. Matthew and Sal have become very good communicators. Uh, They've helped me also in my development. I have had to do readings and, you know, try to connect a sitter with their loved ones. And I'm always nervous when I do it and I get afraid that nothing is going to come through So I have a technique where I call in my guides and I ask what you call your team to step up and help me make these connections and go find that sitter's uh, loved ones and bring them in and teach them how I work and how to communicate with me. And my favorite method is to have Matthew kind of be a doorkeeper and he brings the folks in and Sal's the one who will introduce them to me. It's like I have a little stage in my mind and Sal brings someone up And he says, okay, now we have this young lady. And I start feeling the spirit and then relaying what I am getting from the spirit. So Sal and Matt helped me a lot in making those connections. And I'm so thankful that they do. That's incredible. And like you said about the nerves, I know we do, we have medium classes online. We've been doing them ever since um, uh, COVID hit in 2020. You know, we were all without jobs. My dear medium friends, Carrie and Phil, myself, Scott Milligan, uh, Darren Wynn. And so we thought, we we don't know if this is going to work. We started doing our Sunday gathering just to give. But in the medium classes, I would take them. And what always shows up first is that fear of being wrong. It's just part of being human, I think. But when the fear is there, we don't have that flow and, and trust. But when we're okay with being wrong, when we're okay to realize, hey, we're in class, we are developing, the spirit world is with us, the p- people we're looking across, looking to in the, those breakout rooms in Zoom or in person, you know, their loved ones want us to succeed. And I love what you said about turning to Sal and, and Matt and just trusting. And, it, and it's when we have that feeling and being okay to be wrong and then just starting to share and it's crazy. You know it. You felt it when you start saying things that you think, certainly I'm making this up. And the recipient says, I can understand that. I can understand that. I can understand that. So I encourage anyone, if you have not yet taken any kind of classes in uh, your psychic ability and mediumship, do it. Not, not to be a big medium and you know be out there in the world, which you may want to be, but just to know for yourself. I think it's just a very valuable way to know personally that the afterlife is real. So with that, how did you connect, get connected with Suzanne Wilson? Well, the way I got connected with Suzanne Wilson was uh, through the hands of Matthew. Uh, Basically long story short, Matthew had died in January, 2014 in January, 2017. I had been three years without Matt and then it had been a year without Sal And I was feeling a bit lost and I didn't know what to do with my life. Yeah, I'd taken a few classes. I'd learned a lot. I'd read a lot of books. But I'm sitting here in rural Arizona going, now what do I do with things? I'm bored. I don't know what to do or where to go. I reached out to Suzanne Giesman through uh, a strange coincidence. I had had a feeling one night of just being lost. 
and my life was just stagnating. And before I went to sleep, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't keep going like this. I need a sign. I need something. I'm stagnating. This is bad. I asked Sanaya, which is a group that Suzanne Giesman channels for something. Every day, Suzanne would post a message from her Sanaya. And there were times when I would read the messages and I'd feel a little better. I'd feel some hope. I felt that they relayed a little bit to my situation. But this one night, it's like, I really need something. I just don't know what's happening here. I need something. So that night I had a dream. And in the dream, I dreamed of Geisman, of all things. And in the dream, I see a feather and I see my husband. And I thought, this is really cool. Next day, I open up the internet and I'm scrolling and there's the message that Suzanne would post for the day. And the first word was stagnation. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's the word I asked for last night. I need to read on. So I read on and the message was basically about, you know, you're, you're, don't be stagnant in life. Life has a lot of things to offer. It was a very hopeful healing type of a message. I'm reading it, and at the very end, Suzanne mentions that I know this message is for someone in particular. And I thought, well, yeah, it's for me. Of course, it's for me. But then, you know, she's got how many hundreds of, who knows how many people reading these messages. I'm sure many people think it's for them. But then I scroll up, and there's the photo. She always puts a a graphic, an image, a photo that kind of goes with the message. And it was of a feather sitting in a wedding ring on a book. And I thought, oh, my God, this is my message because this is what I had dreamed. I had a dream of a feather and there was Sal, there's the wedding ring, there's a book. And it had to do with Suzanne Giesman. It's like, this is for me. So that's I crazy. Her, Let me just say that's crazy yeah. and wonderful. <laughs> I know. It was like, you can't make this stuff up. So I thought, oh, my God, there is my message. I need to write to Suzanne and tell her. I didn't want to put it on the internet that this is for me because I don't want to take away from anyone, but hey, this is for me. So I wrote her a personal message and she wrote back and we had a very nice interchange and she gave me some advice on, you know, trying to move forward and and looking at things in a little different way. So it helped me a lot. Well, two or three weeks later, she's calling me. She calls on my phone and she says, hey, Diane, do you happen to know Suzanne Wilson? And I said, oh, well, yeah, I kind of met her. I know who she is. I went to a Helping Parents Heal meeting last month. She was the speaker. And I did go up and say hi, but I'm sure she doesn't know who I am. Why? Well, I just got a call from her and she's looking for somebody to be her part-time assistant. And I thought of you. Would you be interested? Well, my heart is now racing and pounding like, You're calling me to be an assistant to Suzanne Wilson? Whoa, where did this come from? But I'm being cool and calm with her. And I said, well, I would be interested if I don't have to go down to Phoenix and work. Can I do it from home? And you said part-time? Yes, yes, yes. I said, okay, I would be interested. She said, all right, I'll let Suzanne Wilson know she'll be calling you. So we hung up. A little bit later, Suzanne Wilson calls me. And she said, hi, uh, I was given your name and number by Suzanne Giesman. And 
She said, you might be interested and I'm looking for a part-time person to work for me. So we discussed a little bit of the details. And she said to me, you know, when I talked to Giesman and I hung up the phone, I knew that somebody would come in to help me. And I noticed all of a sudden the ceiling fan kicked on in my living room. And I looked up at it and I'm thinking, why is the fan on? And I looked at my husband and he's looking at it. And we both noticed the remotes on the table. Neither of us had touched it, but the ceiling fan is on. So I told her, oh, that's my son, your son. Yeah, my son's on the other side. His name's Matt. He did uh, install the ceiling fans in my house. And often when family is here or I'm on the phone talking to someone, he's you know, is his girlfriend or his, his stepsister about him, the fan will kick on. So I think that's my son playing with your fan. And Suzanne Wilson goes, okay, hold on a minute. She tunes in and she says, okay, I see your son. He's standing there right next to you. His hand is on your shoulder. And he says, yeah, that's me. So that's how I started working for Suzanne Wilson. My son's sitting there saying, geez, mom, you're just doing nothing with your life. You have a little bit of knowledge. Why don't you use it? And he made the connection with the Geesman to the Wilson to now I'm the client service manager. Great. What's amazing. Thanks, mm-hmm. Matt. And for everyone, we are recording this on the 22nd of January, 2024. But when you're watching this, you could be watching it on the premiere day. We are airing it or I am airing it on the 28th of January. And that's um, Matt's angelversary. So, yes. so just a shout out to Matt and all you're doing. Keep it up, kid. I call everybody kid because everybody's younger than me now. Yes. Diane, how did you get involved with the Amazon Prime documentary Life to Afterlife? I want to talk to the dead. Believe it or not, I haven't seen that. So I'm going to go check it out. Okay. It's a really good little documentary. Uh, There was a producer named Craig McMahon who in, gosh, got to think of the year, late 2019, somewhere into 2020, he was looking at doing some documentaries relating to the afterlife and he got drawn to the Helping Parents Heal group. And he began uh, attending some of their meetings and uh, talking to Elizabeth Vanny Boisson, who's one of the founders of the group. And he began uh, doing a little documentaries about the afterlife and focused a lot on the Helping Parents Heal. I believe he's got one or two out there about them, one in which he's interviewing some of the parents and some mediums, a second one where he's doing a little more interviewing with the mediums. So by early 2020, he had approached Suzanne Wilson and was looking at doing a documentary about how people can become mediums. How can they learn to be mediums? And Suzanne suggested they do a little documentary featuring some of her students. So their arrangements were made to meet for a weekend at Suzanne's office. Uh, She selected a handful of her students who were at various levels of development. Uh, One in particular was already practicing, had been practicing mediumship for some period of time as a professional. And then there were the rest of us who were still in the developmental stage some a little better than others. So Craig uh, met with us. Uh, We did a whole weekend of filming. He would take each person and ask several questions. Everybody asked, was asked the same questions. And then he would edit and put together the documentary. So it's basically Suzanne Wilson talking about how 
One Can Become a Medium and a little bit about how she worked with people such as ourselves to do that. And then uh, bits and pieces of each of us responding to his questions on, you know, how we were drawn to mediumship and some of the challenges and some of the things that we've learned and what we basically can do and how the spirit people can communicate with us. So it's a really nice little documentary. Great. Congratulations on that. Your words continue to make a difference. So I'm holding your book in my hands, Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day, showing Mm -hmm. it off yet again to the people on YouTube, A Mother's Story of Loss, Love, and Connecting with the Afterlife. And in our time together today, obviously, you didn't give us all the stories from within the book. But when someone reads your book, what is it that you're hoping they are left with? My greatest hope is what I believe Matthew would like people to get out of his story is that, you know, love never dies. Life doesn't end when that spirit, that soul leaves the body. The soul is immortal. It's just moving from one dimension or one phase of our lives into another. They're always there. So, Our hope is that people will read the story and learn that, yeah, grief's going to hit us. It's it's always going to be there. I still get parts of that grief, but it does get a little better over time when you realize that the person that you lost, so to speak, the one who has left this physical plane is still there, that they're watching over us. They're keeping an eye on us. They're encouraging us. They get excited when we do things. They get happy if we go on a trip or if we have a party or if we're just watching a program on television and we're having a good laugh. I think they get sad if they see us just wallowing in grief or see us crying and crying and just feeling lost. They want us to move forward. They want us to be happy. They want us to join them with tears of joy instead of being sorrowful. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from the book. The, the The emphasis is on, I was having a hard time in life. It got a little more challenging when Matthew left. But in it, I learned that he's still here. I learned how to deal with Sal when he was declining and in his passing. Since Sal left, I lost my dad. I helped him through that process. I lost my stepson. Sal's son, Guillermo, died last summer. I was able to help him through that process because of what I learned in Matthew's death and in Sal's death and in the lessons they brought me. So I would hope that anyone who reads the book gets a little hope, a little inspiration and understands that their people are are always right there. You can reach out to them. Diane, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure for our other viewers and listeners, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. Thank you very much. If I could put in a quick little plug, uh, you had asked me earlier a little bit about how do Matthew and Sal help out in mediumship and in some of the practices and the readings. I'm hoping to put together a little book that goes into some of those details. I wasn't able to put it in the first book. It was too much. But I'm hoping uh, that maybe in the next few months I'll have a book that we'll talk a little bit about the mediumship and some of the wonderful things that I learned and how spirit can make their connections. I just want to blow people's socks off with some of the stories and let them know this is for real. This isn't fraud. This isn't fake. This is for real people. I know because I've lived it. 
wonderful. And as soon as that gets published, let's have you back on again and we can talk about some of those stories. The more we are involved, the more we are connected, the more podcasts we listen to, the more books we read, the more we practice our own soul's um, gifts. All of that really helps us know that there's a much bigger picture to our lives and our lives matter and our loved ones are around. And it, definitely can help us with the grieving process. So a reminder, Diane's book is Living and Loving Life All Day, Every Day, A Mother's Story of Loss, Love, and Connecting with the Afterlife. I think the best way you can find Diane and the book, of course, it is for sale on Amazon, but if you go to dianecalderon.com. And as a reminder, my home base is wedontdie.com. I want to do a little shout out for my other podcast, Shades of the Afterlife. It's through iHeartRadio. Unfortunately, I cannot air it on YouTube and on my podcast channels, but I'm a reporter on the afterlife. So there you'll find some of the latest news of what's being discovered about science and medicine and near-death experiences and stories. So it's a lot more of me. A few times I interview guests, but it really is me being a reporter. So on your favorite podcast channel, or you can easily go to shadesoftheafterlife.com and listen to it as well. I want to thank everyone so much for being here today, to listening, to viewing, however it is that you uh, digest We Don't Die radio I do believe with all my heart that we go on, that our loved ones are around I'm going to start looking for bluebirds because they are so rare that I love hearing the stories of the bluebirds and the rainbows, but your loved ones, they are around the voice that might come through most likely is your voice, but it's them. It's their essence. It's their presence. So pay attention, slow down and listen. So in closing, I'm Sandra Champlain, delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is very, very important. So I want to thank you for listening or for watching, and we'll see you again soon.